welcome in to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. You know, the pursuit of manliness is based on three uh, principles. The principle is this, that we follow the perfect example of manliness, and that is Jesus Christ. That as we learn about Jesus, as we understand who he is, why he came to earth, why he died, and the power in his resurrection... In that, we can begin to understand who we are as men. That doesn't mean we oppress women or push them to anything like that. I believe we can build up men as we build up women at the exact same time. The second thing is this, that we work and keep what God has entrusted to us. Uh, that means uh, your job. That means your house, the people in your life. So if if God has placed people in your life, if you're married, that would be your, your wife. Um, that would be your children if God has blessed you with children. Uh, if you're a leader in any capacity, and we all are on some level. Um, That means the people that are under your care or who uh, depend on you, that we work and keep what God has entrusted to us. And we find that back in Genesis where God told Adam that that's what he was going to do. Uh, The ground that, that God had given him, he is to work it and he is to keep it. And the last thing is this, that we uh, invest in the lives of other men. Again, if you are a father, that means you would invest in lives of your children. If you're a leader, you invest in the lives of those people. But there's something even beyond that, and that's called discipleship, where we look at ways that we can intentionally invest in other people to um, hopefully replicate what someone has already done for us into someone else. And the, the reality is this, you're never off the clock with this. When Jesus said in Matthew 28 uh, that we are to go into all the world making disciples, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded of us and that we are to baptize them. He meant all of us and he meant forever. So if you're a Christian man, that's a charge that we've been given, that we've been given that responsibility and he will equip you in this. So you might say, well, I'm, I'm an introvert or my work schedule doesn't allow it or I'm just not wired that way. Uh, God has wired you exactly the way that he needs you so that you can invest in other men. Uh, my guest on today's podcast is Chris Cantrell, and he's going to invest in the lives of some other people uh, in a really unique way. It is a 48-hour uh, endurance dreadmill challenge. Uh, this is where he is going to uh, attempt to run 100 miles during a 48-hour period between December 26th and December 28th of this year. And the goal of this is he's raising money and awareness for Alzheimer's. Uh, Chris is uh, a high endurance man. He's a he's a great man of God, but he has this conviction on his heart. The other thing Chris is doing is he is a part of a group called Team Red, White, and Blue, where their uh, desire is to connect with uh, former military people, veterans, and meet them right where they're at. Uh, Chris and I are going to talk about this, but I believe there's no other element of community like there is being in the military. And I say that as uh, someone who has great respect for the military, but I've never been in it myself. I've been blessed to have some friends who have military experience. Um, I've read some books. And so any encounter I have with people that have been in the military is is always been quite impressive of the uh, community that they have as men and women uh, all moving in the same direction for the same cause. And so this team, Red, White, and Blue, their their heart, their desire is to connect with them where they're at. When you leave the military, uh, to my understanding, it can be an incredibly lonely experience because um, people like myself, we don't fully grasp uh, the magnitude of what they're doing. And especially, uh, I'd say even even more so the, those who have been in combat and, and gone through different types of training, uh, we, we simply don't understand that on the level that they would understand. Uh, Recently, I was reading 
James chapter 4 and coming across verse 17, and you've probably heard this verse. It said, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. And I don't know about you, but I wrestle with that often. Uh, where we live in Indianapolis, we have a lot of people on the corners asking for money, asking for stuff. And, and that can be tough with your kids in the car to explain why um, you're not handing out money or not to um, villainize that person. And so the wrestling match is, do I give them money or do I keep my window rolled up and look straight ahead, lock my door, pretend like I didn't see them? Uh, But that's not the only place. There's other places in our life that we have the opportunity to do the right thing. And many times that's going to get us out of our comfort zone. It's going to it's going to stretch us. I was just talking to a good man recently who said that, that he believes God really works in his life just beyond his comfort zone. And I think that's the danger with a lot of men. And a lot of men who call themselves Christians is we have failed to get beyond our comfort zone, to get out of our germ-free, incredibly safe, um, padded room mentality. And we have failed to get beyond that. And when we have done that, we've really missed out on what opportunities God has wanted for us, that his word says he can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine And I I wrestle with that in my own life, that God wants to do more in my life than I can even imagine. But he's going to do that when I obediently, obediently trust him and follow him just beyond my comfort zone. Uh, In his book, uh, Todd Bullsinger's book, uh, Canoeing the Mountains, he talks about that as leadership. That people will not trust you off the map until they trust you on it. The same is true of God, that we have a relationship with God and he doesn't want to leave us in the safe place. It's not that you make a one-time tearful confession. You come forward and say, okay, I'm in Jesus. Good. Okay. I did that. Now what? Now let's go back to work. Now let's go whatever. Uh, Let's stop watching R-rated movies. Let's stop cussing. Let's stop drinking. Let's stop playing cards. Let's stop smoking. You know, whatever. Let's stop dancing in some circles. Let's stop, you know, whatever. That's not what the Christian life is like. And people see that and say, if that's what it is, then I don't want it. So that verse, James 4, 17, forever know, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him is a sin. And that's a wrestling match, again, that I have. And Chris has had a, had a conviction laid on his heart that he can do this. Uh, you'll hear in the podcast today on the, the show that he uh, he talks about, you know, even this question of like, man, I... Can I, you know, what, how, how far can I run? And the idea is this, when people come into where he's going to be at, he wants them to have an experience. He wants them to be a part of that. And you might not be running a 48 hour dreadmill challenge, um, but God is going to put people in your life. And, and you have to come to that wrestling match. And, and if you're not sure if you're getting in or out of your comfort zone, I want to encourage you to ask someone else. Man, how, this is my life. This is what my situation. This is whatever. And let them speak into your life. Don't find someone that you know is going to automatically affirm you, but find someone who's going to challenge you. And I believe today as you listen to the show, you're going to hear Chris talk about uh, his conviction. And I believe it can be a uh, challenge to you as well. The thing that the Marine Corps has really taught me was to take mundane, arduous tasks and just approach them from a building block aspect and just keep making progress. And we have a phrase in the ultra and trail running community called relentless forward progress. So that's what I'm setting my mind over 48 hours is just this relentless forward progress. All right, this time I want to welcome Chris Cantrell to the podcast. Chris, thanks for being on here. Thanks for having me. Hey man, could you uh, just just take a little bit and tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, maybe your background, and kind of what led you to where we're at today? Well, I'm a 
father of four, grandfather to two. I'm 46 years old. I was in the Marine Corps for four years. Uh, like a lot of guys, uh, in pursuit of manliness. I, I'm just trying to follow through with God, what God has commanded us to do. So in that vein, you know, I'm on the leadership team at church and I'm trying to build those relationships that will allow me to speak into people's life and share the gospel and ultimately just increase his kingdom. Hey, man, uh, so you're going to participate in this uh, Dreadmill 48-Hour Endurance Challenge. Uh, for our listeners that don't know what this is, could you tell our listeners where you first heard about an event like this and what it is you're actually planning on doing? Well, a few months back, I was trolling some races on the Internet, just kind of looking at my race calendar coming up, and I saw that a woman out on the East Coast came up with this treadmill challenge that she called the Dreadmill 48-Hour Endurance Challenge, and she was proposing that since it's going to be cold and a lot of people don't like to get outside and run in the cold, that over any two-day period that you could run 100 miles or more on a treadmill, and she would count that as a finish and send you a finisher's belt buckle, and that all the proceeds were going to go to charity for specifically the Alzheimer's Association to support research. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. And then I I made the common mistake that men tend to make is I talked to somebody about it. (laughs) And they encouraged me and said, oh, yeah, we certainly could do that. So in a matter of just a few days, we had partnered with the Alzheimer's Association here in eastern Iowa, and we have planned an event that will allow us to raise more money than just the entry fee for the race. So that's kind of what we're looking at is all our planning here is focused on raising as much money for research that we can. Maybe educate myself. How did you end up with the Alzheimer's Association? How did you land on that? Well, that's what the the original challenge was set okay. up for. Okay. And like I said, as we looked at it, we realized that the the little we were going to pay for an entry fee really wasn't going to raise a whole lot of money, okay. and that we had the ability here locally to do something more. Not to take away from what she's done, she's done an awesome thing, and and she really is the catalyst for what we've been able to do. So, just from a distance, you know, seeing your videos and seeing things going on, it seems like there's a lot of dialogue uh, surrounding this event. Have you been able to educate some people on, you know, maybe kind of your heart of why, what led you to this place? Yeah, we have. We've established a really neat relationship with one of the outreach coordinators here at the local Alzheimer's Association, and we're actually going to be able to, at the event, provide information and resources to people whose family or or friends may be actually dealing with this disease and going through this right now. So besides raising money to to help advance the the treatments and hopefully find a cure for Alzheimer's, we're going to be able to reach out and help people who are currently struggling with dealing with the impact of dementia and Alzheimer's in their family. You you mentioned looking at like a race schedule, and I know that you say you're not a professional runner, but you're technically not new at this either. You've been able to run on some pretty incredible places. Could you tell us a bit more about maybe your running history, the places you've been able to run, and what that experience has been like? Well, it's been pretty interesting because since I was really young, um, running has been kind of a part of my life. When I was growing up, if I wanted to go someplace, my mom and dad typically didn't give me a ride. They looked at me like, hey, you've got two feet and you've got a bicycle, so get there. It didn't take me very long to realize that, hey, if I run where I'm going, I've got longer to do what I want to do while I'm there because like most of us growing up in the 70s and 80s, they just gave me a time when I had to be home. So if I took my time and and leisurely strolled where I was going, I wouldn't have very much time there. So I I began to run. Um, When I was in in high school, I ran cross-country and track because I'm not 
coordinated enough to do anything that involves holding an object and running. So football and baseball and basketball really didn't pan out for me. Um, and then later, towards the end of my high school time, um, if I couldn't sleep, I'd just get up and go run. And so I ended up a couple of times running midnight marathons just because I couldn't sleep. I'd run to the next town and run back. Wow. Um, I think my, my fondest memory growing up is I would get out of school when I was in high school. And on a nice day, I'd, I'd hand my book bag to my sister. And then I'd tear off her home and try and beat the bus home and meet her at the driveway and take my book bag back. Nice. But as, as that developed and I got older, um, God blessed me with opportunities both in the Marine Corps and later in my civilian life. Uh, to be in other places, and I've had the opportunity to run in Spain. I got to run the Bahrain Marathon. Um, I've run in Greece, but I think the coolest thing I ever did running, um, I was in Kenya for missions. I've been there four times with a group called Share International who reaches out to the Turkana tribe in northwest Kenya. And while I was there uh, two trips ago, I got to run with a guy from the Kalenjin tribe. That's the tribe in Kenya that produces the best runners in the world. Wow. I mean, wow. these guys are the elite. So here I was in the desert of Kenya running with the most elite runners on the planet. And I, it's just old old me just running along, plodding along. And they would run off and leave me and finish. And Michael would come back every day for me. And I said, Michael, you don't have to come back. He said, oh, that's okay. We have a phrase. When somebody runs slower than you, they're just training you. So that's got to be a little surreal, right? As a runner, you know, you're, you're racing buses home, and now you're racing technically against some of the prime best runners in the world, right? I mean, that's got to be like an out-of-body experience. Well, let's let's be clear. There was no race. Okay. They okay. blew me away. <laughs> they blew me away. They would slow their pace for about the first third, and I'd like, guys, go ahead, Michael, go ahead. And, and he would take off, and he would finish, and he would come back and find me later. As a matter of fact, one morning as we were running, all the children in the village were going to school. And the little kids were making fun of me. They're like, you're too late. You're too late. It's already done. And like encouraging me to walk. And I'm like, wow, this is really bad. Nothing like being heckled by some school kids uh, when you're trying exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, that's a humble you. So, man, over in, in December 26th to the 28th of this year, basically a 48 hour period, you're going to attempt to run 100 miles on a treadmill at the We Run store in, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What's. What is, when you think about this event and as you're planning it and you're, you're connecting with people and stuff, what's your vision for this 48 hours? Well, my, my primary vision is to be on the treadmill as much as possible. Um, I, I've got to do at least 100 miles to be considered a finisher for this event. Um, the gauntlet has been thrown down by the race organizer of how far can you go in 48 hours. And, of course, we've asked people to come and visit us during this time, and nobody wants to come into the store and see the treadmill with nobody on it. Right. I mean, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. So um, we have tried to draw in as many people as possible to raise as much money as we can. And basically we're throwing a big party, but also while we're there, we're going to have the Alzheimer's Association to help educate people, to provide them resources, connect them with avenues to, to help them understand what help is available. And uh, we've got some community leaders. Um, if you've seen the, the videos from today, you'll see our local sheriff in Lynn County has agreed to come in. We're actually going to have two treadmills during the event. So he's going to come in and take on the second treadmill for a period of time on December 27th to show his support for what we're trying to do. And so if people who, who have a question or want to interact with community leaders, this would be a great time for them to come and have access to community leaders they might not all the time have access to. 
So why people are there, what, like, what's the environment like? Do you hope to see, like if somebody walks in, they see you run on a treadmill, they see the, the sheriff walk. I heard him say he's not going to run. So walking next to you, um, what do you, what do you want them to experience? What kind of like community do you want to see them build things, connecting with people? Well, I think we're going to see that. And, um, Team Red, White, and Blue that I'm a member of here locally in the in the Eastern Iowa corridor is going to be there staffing the event to help me out, to interact with people. We're going to have games on site. We've got a big raffle that's going on. We've got in-store specials, um, and a lot of the proceeds from the 48 hours that the store is going to be open for this event are going to go to Alzheimer's research. Nice. So it, it, it goes without saying it, to do an event like this takes uh, heart. It takes discipline. It takes, you, you got to have some physical fitness. So what, what correlation do you see between maybe your training as a Marine or just how you're wired and then ultimately what it takes for you to, to do this challenge? Well, my dad claims that I was always this way. The Marine Corps just encouraged it. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I think that the thing that the Marine Corps has really taught me was to take mundane, arduous tasks and just approach them from a building block aspect and just keep making progress. And we have a phrase in the ultra and trail running community called relentless forward progress. So that's where I'm hmm. setting my mind over 48 hours is just this relentless forward progress, which was one of the things that the Marine Corps helped to encourage in me as well. And besides just the physical aspect, I really feel like the training and the experience I had as a, as a small unit leader in the Marine Corps prepared me with the ability to assemble a good team to support me and to put together the planning and logistics necessary to bring this whole thing to fruition in the end of December. Nice. Could you hit on it just for, for a second there. Could you explain to us who Team Red, White, and Blue is and, and ultimately what part they play in your life and in this event? Well, Team Red, White, and Blue is a nonprofit organization that was founded to enrich the lives of America's veterans by connecting them to their community through physical and social activity. And there's kind of two components to it in, in my assessment. You've got the local chapter that really is down in the in the dirt, so to speak, connecting the veterans and working with allies of veterans. That's how we refer to them kind of in our chapter is veterans and allies. And so you have civilians and veterans working together, and it kind of becomes a, a a family or a team and some of these veterans you know are displaced from where their families are at because of the skill set that they got while they were in the military now they're somewhere else because that's where the work was available so it allows us to to kind of adopt those individuals and give them a support network and reconnect them with the community and um, on a national level, the national organization actually provides leadership training and develops leaders out of Team Red, White, and Blue to do things in their community and to move forward and to manage some of these smaller organizations. The unique thing about Team Red, White, and Blue being involved with this particular event is Alzheimer's is one of those diseases that's kind of like cancer. When you hear it, it can sometime um, lead to a feeling of, of helplessness. And that's something that veterans especially hate. They've got all this training, they've got all this experience, and now you present them with a problem that appears that there's no solution for it. Well, God showed me that's not exactly true. You know, God has gifted some remarkable scientists with the knowledge to conduct research that's going to advance the treatments we use to fight this disease. And, you know, eventually it may be eradicated. But for that to happen, they've got to have funding. And that's something that a, a knuckle-dragging Marine like myself who can left foot, right foot, repeat for hours on end can do. And by getting Team Red, White, and Blue in here to assist me, to help to run the event, to help plan the event, to find sponsors for the event, 
I can then share with them that when we have these problems that look like they're impossible, there are ways for us to address those problems. We've just got to kind of get outside of our, our head a little bit and look at it through somebody else's eyes. Ultimately, that's God's eyes. And through my interaction with Team Red, White, and Blue, I'm able to build those relationships where I can speak into other people's lives and show them truth and share the gospel. And, and see, you just hit on all that right there. I think that's what, you know, you and I connected a couple months ago when you first shared with me this idea, but I said, man, we got to talk about this because it's really threefold. You have the Alzheimer's, what you're running for. You have Team Red, White, and Blue, which I think is incredibly impactful and powerful and necessary. And then you have the gospel. You want to share the good news with, with this kind of earns you the right to speak some truth and love into their life instead of just coming at them, you know, um, in in a negative way. And so have you been able to have some good opportunities to do that through these experiences? I, I have. It's, it's really been interesting because one of the things that you will find with type A personalities and a lot of veterans are type A individuals, um, is that they oftentimes don't want to admit their shortcomings. They don't want to admit they need help. But when you get out on a trail with a guy for two, four, six, eight, 24 hours, stuff comes out. I mean, you just, you, you start to talk about things that you wouldn't talk about in 10 minutes over a cup of coffee or on a 5K run. And it's, it's really been interesting to build those relationships where you can call a guy and say, Hey, you know, I'm praying for you today. I hope your day goes well. As a matter of fact, um, I think I told you before, I called a school teacher that's a part of our local red, white, and blue chapter. I said, hey, I'm praying for you today. I hope you have a good day. And he, like, sent me this panic text, like, what's the matter? What, what did you hear? So it's completely foreign <laughs> to these people because they're not yeah. used to having somebody care for them in that way. So he thought I was praying for him because I heard something bad was going to happen to him. So it's been really neat to spend that time and invest this time. And if you look at Jesus, how he interacted with the disciples, it was over this long, sustained period. It wasn't like a quick hit in and out. I'll see you again, you know, in two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. He spent, you know, day in and day out with these guys. So through this um, interaction with Team Red, White, and Blue and doing these longer events together, it gives me that opportunity to get inside their head a little bit and break down those walls and get to that point where you can build that trust and really speak truth to them in a, in a way that I think is going to be lasting over the long run. Now, I, I want to say this. I, I've never served in the military. I have a lot of friends who have, and I think the military is unique to almost anything else in this world, in, including sports teams and things like that. The camaraderie, the community, everyone has a strength. Everyone has a part they're going to play. And as you said, when you get out of the military, that can be an incredibly lonely place to be. As, as you said, almost finding out a diagnosis that you have cancer, Alzheimer's, something like that. Um, it's powerful to have this this team. So how do you get in touch with them or do, you, do they get in touch with you? How, how do you guys connect with these veterans who might have post-traumatic stress disorder or other issues in their life that they just need somebody to say yeah me too um well we have through the we run stores here in eastern iowa um we have all of our literature is out there we have a public facing facebook presence and internet presence nationally at team rwb.org and anybody listening anywhere in the world can go to team rwb.org and find their local chapter um i've met some rwb guys overseas that were doing events um, we have them all over the country. It's I think every event we go to, we meet somebody who's from Team RWB in another chapter. I just ran a race here in rural eastern Iowa 
two weekends ago and we ran across a lady who was from another chapter that we didn't even know was coming so it was her first time running a trail race first time running an ultra marathon so we just kind of adopted her and took her along with us and we all had a great time and and i think you're right i think there's this disconnect that they they feel alone but part of that is because military occupations some of them it just wires us differently than people who haven't been in the military and that's not a, a slam on anybody it's sure, not to sure. say that we're any better or any worse we're just broken in a different way and it's comforting when you can go speak the same language and have had the same experiences yeah and i agree with you and and, and I, like i said i'm not a military guy but there is a disconnect because I, I i don't know what that's like but I've t- i have enough friends who do and or have been in there and, and it's a unique experience i can tell you know as far as the discipline the you know again camaraderie community and um do you find that team red white and blue has become that for some of those guys like okay that's that's kind of uh, you know bridges that gap between what was and what is right now yeah i, I think it really does i think it um gives them a, an outlet where when they express themselves uh take you know marine corps infantry for example you know you can watch the documentaries and you can see the the whole vernacular the attitude the way they carry themselves is different than anybody else on the planet and when you come out of the marine corps and you try and express yourself to other individuals you know some other service people they kind of connect on that but to the average civilian they don't know how to deal with that sometimes so it's good to have that place where you can go like hey this dude gets me i'm I'm having a hard time explaining this so that joe over here my neighbor who has been an it guy and he's a great it guy and i love him to death but we just can't (laughs) connect because he's not broken the way i'm broken so it gives that outlet where you can express that and and just like how do i deal with this so I, i think it really works I knew right away, Chris, you and I were wired different when you were going to a go ruck run in Ohio and, um, what do you have? 30 pounds, 20 pounds. Uh, but one of your guys had 50 pounds. Is that right? Well, we were actually going to the wild hog 50 K, the feral hog 50 K I'm sorry, in Ohio. Okay. And it required the ruck division that we were in required us to carry 20 pounds in a rucksack. And, um, that was a gnarly race. Um, the terrain was, was not what we had expected. It presented some unique challenges, but out of that, what I saw is four veterans from three different branches of the service who've only known each other for about a year deal with all of that stuff and nobody complained and nobody quit and everybody pushed on all day long through some very arduous terrain so it it really you know built that team together and and we're a lot closer now and it gives me license in some respects to address things and talk about things that maybe before that we wouldn't have been able to go down those roads and ultimately that's the, the goal of the gospel the earning the right to speak truth and love into someone's life you know and, and, and do it in a way that meets them right where they're at hey one of the things as you said you hit on before you've turned this event into more than just watching a guy on a treadmill there's, there's two treadmills there's other things there's prizes and stuff like that um Again, what do you what do you hope somebody experiences when they come and see this? They're going to see you run, they're all that stuff. But what's the you know if it's team red, white, and blue, whoever it is coming to this, what do you hope they experience when they show up to We Run? I hope that they can see the effort that we've put into this, and that I personally will be putting into this in the treadmill when they show up, so that they can buy in to the fundraising end of this, because this to me is the hope. You know, I look at Ecclesiastes 3, and it says there's a time for every purpose under heaven. 
And if you, you look up in the dictionary purpose, basically it says, you know, uh, something to be accomplished or achieved, a purpose. Well, quitting is not a purpose. And we can't just give up because there's this horrible disease. Right. You know, sure, we can pray. But, you know, I'm reminded of the story where the, the parable where the guy meets the, the stranded individual who's fallen on hard times and says, hey, peace be with you. <laughs> You've not really helped him all you can. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. You know, we can pray for these people and say, peace be with you. Or we can get off our backside and go do something and raise some money and give it to a guy that, or in an organization that God has specifically gifted to research this and maybe find the cure or find better treatments that's going to make the impact less and extend people's lives. And and so really I hope when they come in they'll see the hope and and they'll be able to buy into um, our fundraising efforts and that we can see a change and that on the backside we can show God's hand move through all of this and how he allowed us to put all this together and allowed uh, Maureen in his mid-40s to come through this whole thing and spend as much time as possible on a treadmill in 48 hours and actually be successful. Yeah, you make a great point. And I think, sadly, Christians are known for that. We're great at telling someone, we'll pray for you. And many times we forget by the time we hit the car. Uh, but actually putting our faith into action, you know, that we actually do something with it. It's more than just praying for someone. But uh, you're doing that with your literally your body, but your words and everything else that you're doing. And hopefully that will be, again, another testament to who you are as a man of God. Well, I just, I really look at faith. And I've come to see over the past, I'm going to say the four, past four, five, six years, it's become painfully evident to me that God lives outside my comfort zone. So, you know, this to me is, is no different than anything that may make me uncomfortable as a church task or or traveling on a mission or anything else. You know, God lives outside my comfort, comfort zone. So if I have to be uncomfortable for 48 hours to show what God's capable of doing through me, that's where I need to be. So, Chris, people listening to this, we've mentioned a few different things. We have Alzheimer's, we got red, white, red, white, and blue. How can people get in touch with you and what you're doing with this event, and then with Team Red, White, and Blue again? Well, the easiest way to find us is on Facebook at CR Dreadmill Challenge, and Team Red, White, and Blue, as always, can be found at teamrwb.org. Okay. And we'll, we'll share links too when we share this podcast and stuff. So, I mean, the last question we ask every guy and, uh, is, is this comes on this podcast. Is there a book you've read recently or something that you're reading that you might recommend to another guy to read? Oh, uh, this question kills me because I'm that guy. I've got, I've got a dual reading track. I have like my spiritual growth reading track yes. and then I have a other interest reading track and I kind of try to shuffle them back and forth like a deck of cards to, <laughs> to create some balance there. Um, I love so, it. Yeah. So my, my spiritual track is I am a church member by Tom Rainer. Okay. And I, it's a small book. It's a short book. If you're like me, when you read, you keep flipping to see when the end of the chapter is. Absolutely. Pages are left in the book. <laughs> Absolutely. I think most men read that way because I think God has wired many men to, to be outside conquering the planet instead of inside reading a book. So that is my, my spiritual track. As far as on the other pursuits track, a book I'm passionate about that I think every person should read, especially men, because men are responsible for the safety of our families, for the mm. safety of our churches, is a book called Left of Bang. Okay. And it was written by Patrick Van Horn, and it will show you some common sense, everyday things that you can pay attention to 
that will ensure that you have the maximum chance of keeping yourself and those around you safe. Men, once again, I want to thank Chris Cantrell uh, for being on the pursuit of manliness show. It was a blessing to talk with him, and it's cool to see what God's doing in his life. Um, I'm hoping that something he said might be an encouragement to you, might uh, spur you on towards uh, doing something for someone else, kind of that third aspect of investing in the lives of other people. Uh, Chris, being a veteran himself, obviously has a heart to connect with people uh, who are veterans, but also uh, a passion to help uh proceed with finding a cure for Alzheimer's and and just love what he's doing. Again, that might be something that sparks a thought in your mind of a way that you could invest in the lives of some other people. As he said, if you want to get in contact with the the Dreadmill Challenge and what he's doing, it's CR Dreadmill Challenge on Facebook. Really easy to find. If you search that at the top, you'll find it pretty easy. Um, And then Team Red, White, and Blue is TeamRWB.org. As he said, literally anybody in the world who is a, a former veteran can get in touch with them. A lot of neat things things going on there uh again guys i can't thank you enough for listening if you uh, are on on itunes or found us there uh man if you go to itunes and click subscribe that would be really cool that's a great way of staying in touch with um every time there's a new um show updated you, you can find it there uh, again if you would leave a five-star review that would be fantastic uh the more you do that the easier it is for people to find us but it's also easier for them to connect with the people that are on the show as well They're, they give of their time there's prep work that goes into it. Um, just like talking to Chris today, there's questions that are sent. They're doing the legwork on their end. Uh, so it's good for us, but it's also, I think, a benefit to them as well. So if you'd go check that out. Um, of course, on social media, everything is Pursue Manliness. Uh, we have a closed Facebook group. It's Pursuit of Manliness. So if you go facebook.com backslash groups backslash Pursuit of Manliness, there's about 1700 guys in there right now and it's really neat to see what's happening there it started with a, a group of about seven guys and guys are adding their friends um, guys from men's ministries relatives co-workers whatever uh, it's a great place for guys to connect kind of ask questions challenge each other um, it is not like a big man hug or anything like that it's just a great environment for guys to connect and um, it's it's really cool to see what god's doing there and if you have any questions anything going on a uh, question about something on the podcast that you might want clarity on uh, um, you know, something we're teaching on, whatever, uh, shoot me an email. It's pursuemailiness at gmail.com. You can um, ask me whatever, and I'll, I'll do my best to get back with you. So, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, I hope that you keep pursuing mailiness.